everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Suhui Huang. Do you want to say hello to everybody? Hi, everyone. Hi, Charles. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on and uh, being willing to talk about your story in the code. Um, now, you were on episode 375. We talked about contributing to Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to give people a little bit more of an introduction, who you are, what you do? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm currently a software engineer at Gusto uh, on the payments engineering team. Um, basically, we just use Ruby code to move money. And um, I have been um, pretty active in the Ruby community. I love uh, talking about Ruby, talking about anything that's related to um, software design. And um, I also share the things I learned at work uh, on my personal blog as well which is suhui.io, S-I-H-U-I.io. Awesome. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at Sentry.io. Well, that's awesome. And uh, do you want to just briefly explain what Gusto does? Yeah, totally. Um, Gusto is an all-in-one SaaS platform for payroll, benefit, and uh, HR. We are a startup uh, in San Francisco. We have been around for about seven years. And uh, in front end, we use... uh, we use React in backend. We use uh, Rails and Ruby. Nice. And I think I've seen ads for Gusto. So nice. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about you. Um, I'd love to just dive in and get your story. Find out how you got into programming and things like that. In fact, how did you get into programming? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually studied computer science in college, um, but full story, um, I actually came to the U.S. for college degree. Uh, in the beginning, I, I was originally major in accounting major. And first day in school, I changed my major to computer science because I realized that um, during summer break, before I came to the U.S., I learned a little bit of computer science on my own, and I just really enjoyed it. And that's the first thing I, I did when I landed uh, in the U.S. And so I studied computer science four years uh, with my undergrad degree, um, in the U.S. and then uh, have a couple internships. Uh, the first one was in a small uh, software firm in Dallas, and the second one and the third one was uh, with Salesforce uh, in San Francisco. After graduation, I joined um, Gusto, uh, which is my first job out of college, and I have been at Gusto for almost three years now. Wow, that's awesome. Um, it's, it's interesting, uh, first of all, um, I don't know many people that go into school um, that start in a major 
and, and know what they want. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess kudos for switching when you figured out <laughs> where you wanted to be. Um, yeah. After one day, I was going to say, man, accounting must be really boring, but who knows, right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad I switched. feel lucky that I did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and hopefully you're in a place where you love to be. It sounds like you are. I, I don't know many people who would stay for three years in a place they weren't happy. So it sounds like Gusto is a terrific place to work. Yeah, totally. Um, feel feel really lucky that I made a decision to join Gusto. And every day is learning a lot, not just about engineering or coding, but also seeing a company growing, going through different phases, um, facing different challenges and opening up like lots of opportunities for people inside. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm curious. Um, so you graduated from school and I'm, I'm guessing you interviewed with a bunch of places. What made you decide to go to Gusto in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually wrote uh, a super long blog post that's about 2,000 words uh, in my personal blog about how I spent the four years in college starting from someone who didn't know much about computer science, um, couldn't have a resume that's one page long to uh, before graduation have multiple offers from companies in the Bay Area and mm-hmm. um, some other places. Um, in terms of what made me decided to join Gusto um, compared to other companies, I think um, maybe there were three things I focused on the most at the time I was making decision. The first one is definitely um, personal growth, how much I can learn, how, many, how much opportunity that place can provide me. Mm-hmm. And the second one being um, the product. I would love to work on a product where I can personally feel the impact of my work and also um, feel the meaning of my work. And the last one being the people around me. Uh, I would love to work with people not who I not only like can learn technical stuff from, but also just how to become a nice human being and people I would enjoy hanging around with. And I think Gusto just um, not only check all the bosses, but also um, just see my expectation after I walk out interview and have a few office visits. I think, yeah, those three are the main reasons that uh, made me end up joining Gusto uh, and uh, having to say no to some other companies. That makes sense. And I've been writing this book probably Mm -hmm. for the last six months on how to find a job. And it's interesting that you kind of list out, these were the things I wanted because that's the first step that I put people through is what do you want? And, you know, knowing that you want to work with people who do a certain thing, you want to work on a product that, you know, does a certain thing, you want to work in a place that lets you learn, I mean, that, that's critical, you know, for other people, it may be other life concerns or things like that, you know, maybe the salary is the big thing for them. But yeah, I just love that where it's, you know what, I, I wanted a place like this. And so I went and found one. Yeah, uh, I think it's really important that you walk in an interview, not just feeling that uh, it's, a, it's a, you have to pass, you have to impress whoever that's interviewing you. You should feel that it's a two-way street. It's an opportunity for you to show off your skill, but also an opportunity for you to learn more about a company. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that I had three uh, internships with three different teams helped me kind of uh, try out different things and made me realize what I like and what's important for me. Yep, absolutely. So... Uh, I'm a little curious then as well, you know, you've, you, you said you've been uh, writing this blog. How long have you been blogging about programming? Uh, I think um, this current blog I started uh, maybe a few months after uh, I joined Gusto. 
Mm-hmm. The main reason was um, just to capture my learning because I, I have horrible memories. And I was really afraid that a few years into my career, and when I look back, I realize I don't remember what I learned. So that's, that's the main motivation, motivation in the beginning. So it has been um, about two years or so. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. So what kinds of things have you learned? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think uh, I'd say surprisingly, um, outside of all the technical stuff in terms of like refactoring code, um, how to design a system that's scalable and uh, modulized, outside of all those technical stuff, um, what surprised me was that the fact that I also learned a ton, a ton of uh, soft skills. When I started the job, I didn't realize how important it is, um, all those soft, soft skills uh, to help you have a, bad, a bigger impact and more influence um, in your world. And surprisingly, I learned a ton of um, soft skills um, that's related to communication, working with the team, and also um, how to keep the, the, the healthy distance between yourself and your craft and all that. Yeah. So nice. every six months, I try to kind of have a small retrospective with myself, just think about what other things I have learned in the past. And I also um, just share them on the blog as well. That's terrific. And I, I love the, just, just the idea of putting the information out there for other people too. Um, I mean, yeah, when I, I started out blogging actually, and then I moved into podcasting mm-hmm. and yeah, a lot of those were, I got this error. Here's how I fixed the error. Right. And so the yeah. next time it's like, I swear I wrote that up and I'd go find it. And uh, yeah, then other people started finding it too, right? They'd run into yeah. that error and then it'd be like, oh, your blog post helped me fix that. And it's that kind of thing, except with, you know, design patterns and finding jobs mm-hmm. and all the other things you've written out about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that really made me enjoy the software or the coding community uh, is that people share so much online and it's all accessible freely. You can learn from each other. I remember earlier when I was in school, I just, whenever I guess that I guess like, I learned so much from Stack Overflow. And then uh, I get a feeling that one day I would like to be the person who also offer the answers, kind of contributing back to the community. And it's an amazing feeling. It's kind of like life comes in full circle. You're not only just putting out information to help others, but when others sometimes comment on your post, you, it helps you, reminds you, oh, these are the things that I should have keep in mind, but I kind of fell off track. Now I need to get back to it too. Yep, absolutely. Now, besides that, it looks like you've also uh, spoken at some conferences. Yeah, um, I was lucky enough to get invited to a few conferences. Um, they, they're all Ruby code focused. I think the first one was in Cape Town, um, South Africa. That was the uh, Rubu Fusa conference. Um, that was last year, early last year. And the second one was um, the one in Bath, Bath, UK. And the last one was one in... Um, in Taiwan, that was the cross conference between Ruby and Elisa. Um, they are pretty fun. I, yeah, feel lucky that I got to travel around the world a little bit and talk to um, other people who use Ruby, who's passionate with uh, Ruby. Nice. Now, are those uh, video? Are those? Yeah, are there videos up on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, I think they're all up. Um, if you Google it, I should probably link them on my website as well. But if you Google it, you should be able to find them. Awesome. 
So I, I'm a little curious over the last three years or, mm-hmm. or even longer, you know, as you got into computer science in college and then did the internships, um, is, is there an overarching thing that you have learned or something that, you know, as you explain the story and explain what you've gone through that you think people should pick up from your career? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I'd say uh, the most important thing is probably uh, you should have the desire and the ability to drive yourself. Um, You should know roughly here's what you want and then have the ability to um, just unblock yourself and then move one step forward at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe seven years ago, seven years ago is like when I uh, landed my feet on the US and I wouldn't have imagined uh, how far I have come to in seven years. Um, I remember earlier in the beginning, all I wanted was just a regular computer science job with a base salary. I, I thought that I would be happy enough. And that was my original goal. And at that point of time, that goal seems somewhat unreachable. And I just starting to walk towards that direction and then gradually have the, the next goal and then um, which is like maybe I should have a better internship first and then have a next goal which is um, maybe I should aim for having good offers from um, great companies in the Bay Area and then have the next goal which is I actually want to um, make a influence uh, on the world by just coding doing the things I love and then gradually you have like the, the next goal, the next goal. But what's really important throughout the whole process is that you should have the ability to unblock yourself. And when you get stuck, uh, something, sometimes it can be as simple as you just get stuck at the program. You don't know how to um, uh, debug it. Uh, you should have the drive and the desire to kind of, um, the persistence to go through the process and unblock yourself. Sometimes it may be as big as you just don't know how to land your first job. And you should have the drive and the ability to think creatively and uh, reach out, trying to find out different resources to see how you can get to that goal. But I think throughout the whole process, what taught me the most is the the desire and the grit to stick through the process and unblock yourself. Nice. I, I love I love that idea. Just, yeah, get in, learn stuff, unblock yourself. I'm, I'm curious too, how, how do you get into blogging? Because I, I know that a lot of people, they, they hear about blogging and then they're like, that, that's something that I could never do. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do you approach that? How, what would you tell people if they're saying, you know, I don't feel like I'm qualified or mm-hmm. that I would know how to write a blog post or a lot of blog posts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think you really touch on the key point, which is uh, qualified. Other people feel that I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough to teach anyone about anything. Um, I would say the maybe just th- don't think of it as so much as like putting out your world, your, your word out for the wo- whole world to judge, but just as a fact of sharing the notes you have ke- uh, been keeping for yourself. And also um, don't think of it as like, you have to have something that everyone can learn from. But as long as the things that you put out, one person find it beneficial, it's, it is worth it enough. And um, another mental model that I often use is that r- writing as if you are talking to yourself maybe three months ago. Maybe you learned this thing um, across the past three months. And if you have known that three months earlier, you may have, have helped you a lot. So write it as if you're just talking to an early self 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I found a lot of that to be true. I mean, sometimes you approach something from where you're at, even if you're new and it's helpful to a lot of people. And sometimes if you take a step back and you realize, you know what? Uh, yeah, you know, a year ago, this would have been really helpful to me. And so you write that blog post. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just work off of your experience and it, yeah. 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 Another thing that I heard a lot of people say is that, oh, uh, this topic I want to write about, but so many people already wrote about it and maybe it's not worth uh, to have another article about it. But uh, my counter argument would be there's nothing new under the sun. Whatever article you saw uh, online is based off some other people's article. And what matters the most is that when you write the article, you kind of have your own spin on it. You kind of add more colors and maybe another uh, reader who come across your article may find it more resonated. And, and the internet is free. It's not like you're putting on another article and then all of a sudden the internet becomes like too broady or anything. That's the beauty of the internet. Everyone can share their opinion and share things about uh, your, your own experience, have your own unique spin. Well, the other thing that, that I throw at people with that particular point is what if you were the first one to write the article and then a whole bunch of other people wrote about it? I mean, you're afraid of getting lost in the mix, but no matter when you write it, right, you have the mm-hmm. same problem. So, you know, write it anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Um, one other thing that I'm a little curious about, you sent me an email before we chatted, and mm-hmm. you mentioned that you got to meet Mats. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> you know, you want to tell us about that and how that went? Yeah, totally. Um, so that was uh, for the, I think it was the second or the last conference I went to, uh, was the ones in Bath, UK. Mm-hmm. Um, before that conference, uh, um, Cooper and Matt actually had host and hosted an event to, um, it's a workshop to show you how to contribute to Ruby, uh, specifically the, the Matt uh, Ruby compiler. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky to uh, went to the event and also share the same ride, uh, the train ride with Matt. Um, it was like a 30 minute train ride or something and then have dinner together. And during the trip, I was, uh, able to get a chance to talk with him and ask him a lot of things about like what does he think about the future of the Ruby and about his backstory, how he started Ruby and all that. Um, it was a great experience. Um, Matt was so nice. Um, there was a phase that within the Ruby community, people say that um, because Matt is nice, we are nice. And I totally get that after talking and uh, with Matt. He was very patient and answer a lot of questions and very tentative into uh, listening to like Ruby developers, uh, their interaction and experience with Ruby. I think right. that's one of the main way he gained feedback from developers that actually uses Ruby because uh, lots of times those uh, core Ruby contributors, they what we see on a daily basis, but maybe uh, not so much with Ruby itself, which is a little bit ironic. Yeah, definitely. It, I, I've, I've, had the occasion to talk to Matt's a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, we've tried getting him on the show and, and that's been a little bit more difficult, but um, yeah, I mean, he'll sit there and he'll, yeah, he'll listen yeah. and he'll talk and he's, he's very friendly and approachable and uh, yeah, um, he's kind to everybody. The other thing that's interesting is, yeah, you ask him about some of the other languages out there that are, you know, I'm, I'm going to put quotes around it, but competitors mm-hmm. to Ruby mm-hmm. and 
you know, he's also very kind about those and mm-hmm. he has opinions, things that he likes about them and things that he doesn't, but mm-hmm. he's also very respectful of those teams as well. And yeah, um, if we could emulate a little bit more of that sometimes in the programming community, I think in a lot of ways we do well and in other ways we don't, mm-hmm. but if we could have more of that out there, that would be super nice. Yeah. Um, I actually have like personal interaction with both Matt and um, Jose, the creator of Elixir, mm-hmm. and both of uh, the both encounters uh, I have with them get, give me the feeling that they are not out here to say I'm creating the best programming languages in the world. They are they both out there thinking uh, this is the unique perspective I have. This is like a very opinionated way. A, a very opinionated language I want to build with this specific goal in mind. And they kind of all the um, development towards the language itself kind of drives through like based on those principles, those desires, they, where they start from. So um, I'm not surprised that whenever you talk to them about like other programming languages, they, they, they don't get a feeling that, oh, so you're saying that uh, Ruby or Elisa is not good enough. They're like, they're more like, yeah, that makes sense that why other languages go with this approach because they are mm-hmm. starting from a different place with different goals in mind. And here's where I'm starting from. Here are the goals uh, our team have in mind. And I think that's just, uh, it's very inspiring. And also um, it's just a, such a beautiful thing, you know, just people trying to create a piece of, uh, a, piece of a, a tool, but also a piece of art with their own opinion, what they believe in. and because of the diversity of opinion, we have like such diverse tool that we can choose from. Yeah, I feel that um, we are definitely lucky um, to have these great programming languages and these great teams. Yep, 100%. And I, I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, <laughs> it, it really just boils down exactly how I feel about a lot of this stuff. So uh, what are you working on now? Uh, great question. Um, at work, um, um, I'm on the payments engineering team, and we have a very interesting challenge in terms of uh, creating a payments uh, API. Um, right now, our code base is somewhat, um, it's not as modularized as we wish. So we are in the process of designing and um, using an API that's, uh, that has clear domain boundary. I just found the fact that because right now our payments domain and payrolls domain are quite uh, mingled together because earlier we are startup, we're trying to move really fast, but now we hit the point that it makes sense to take us, uh, to, to pause a little bit and design uh, a more modular system so we can uh, move forward for the, the next decades. And the fact that you have to stop and then take a look at the code base and trying to figure out all those domain boundaries and do all the refactoring work um, and also prioritize other business needs. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's very challenging and I'm very excited about it. And at the meantime, uh, personally, I'm also trying to um, grow into the role of uh, a tech lead, um, meaning that I'm not only focused on just being an individual contributor, writing code, finishing stories, but also thinking about the future of a project and thinking of the big picture and I'm trying to unblock everyone and a lot of like project planning stuff around that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, man, where do I start with that? So the first thing that I want to ask about is how do you decide then when to take on that big refactor? Because 
you you mentioned a lot of the trade-offs, right? Mm -hmm. we, we still have to support the app. We still have to add the features that are needed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, you're making these changes and going more modular because ultimately in the long run, it'll pay off. Mm -hmm. So, so how do you evaluate that? How do you start looking at that and going, okay, you know, now is the time versus let's kick it down the road another year and see where we're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say um, it's definitely fundamentally is a question of prioritization. You have like this refactoring project uh, that you can work on and you have a, a whole tons of like other project that you have work on. And fundamentally, uh, this refactoring project is something that have been on our team's mind for a long time. Mm -hmm. And gradually we realized that um, it is an enabler for us to build a lot of things uh, for the future. And we kind of look at the, so, so we answer the question that this is the right thing to do. Everyone knows that this is the right thing to do. Then the next question becomes, is now the right time to do this thing, right? right? Yeah, then you look at the, the resource you have and look at other projects and kind of figure out the urgency. And um, after a while, we just realized this is uh, important, not just for our team, but also a lot of other teams and a lot of other um, business initiatives that we want, we want to start exploring. And um, right now sounds like the, the right time. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I, it, I've never had a good answer for this question. And I think mm -hmm. you've kind of given the best answer that I've heard so far. And that's essentially, we know where we want to go. And we know this will open the doors to that. Yeah, definitely. And, and at that point, you, you look at it and you can say, okay, you know, of, of all the other things we could do, this is going to give us the best opportunity to get to where we want to go yeah totally i say like whenever you have a refactoring project in mind you normally don't just commit it to it immediately if you do that it's probably too early but as uh the idea kind of um grow in in the teams uh in everyone's thoughts and you gradually have a, a list of things that that idea can that refactoring can enable and then the list just keep growing and growing and then you monitor the list and then you realize okay uh, this is enough argument for us to do it now yeah yeah the uh, the other thing that i wanted to jump on that you said you were working on and it's funny because usually i'm just like okay put up links to that but but this is interesting stuff is reading the sidekick source code oh so, yeah um you mentioned that you were working on that project and a lot of people find that intimidating right where it's mm -hmm. you know sidekick is used by so many people and mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I don't know how large the code base is because I haven't looked, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's really big or not really big, but yeah, a lot of people will find it intimidating for multiple reasons. So how do you decide, okay, I'm going to jump on this and go ahead and read the source code for something like Sidekick? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it all started with, um, we use Sidekick on our own for a lot of very critical jobs. And sometimes there are some behavior that's somewhat unexpected and that requires you to actually dig into the code and explain why this happens. And uh, when that, this happened multiple times, I just realized maybe it's a good time for me to actually learn a little bit more about Psyche in a more proactive way instead of a reactive fashion whenever things doesn't make sense. And then you, you have like a very limited time trying to figure things out under pressure. So I started to look at, look into the code a little bit and it's actually quite enjoyable. Um, I actually go all the way back to the uh, first commit and seeing 
starting from there and then just you kind of it's almost like watching a movie seeing Mike starting uh, in the beginning and how that gradually evolved um, that's uh, the initiative uh, initial motivation and another thing that I want to get out of it um, is I think a lot of people when they think about how good you are as an engineer to think about writing code but I find that majority of the case uh, your ability to understand and read other people's code quickly uh, is also, if not more critical than your own ability to write code. So I also want to leverage this opportunity um, to kind of um, enhance my, and train up my skill for reading other people's code um, because I have been at Gusto for three years and I get quite uh, comfortable with our own coding style, with our own best practice. So I think um, reading psychic source code is a good opportunity to kind of see how um, their other approach to write Ruby codes and learn from that as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So have you talked to Mike at all about this particular no. project? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, all the codes are out there. And ju just uh, to be clear to all the audience out there, um, this, this quote unquote project is just uh, me going to go through all the 350 something commits in Scikit version one and start from the very beginning first commit and go all the way down to the last commit for version one and just share my learnings uh, and probably in form of screencasts or, or, or words um, just to share my learnings and read the code with, with everyone out there. Um, yeah, um, I haven't talked to Mike about that, um, but maybe uh, I should probably uh, let him know. But uh, I mean, articles is out there, so. I might email him and tell him about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a great project, so. Yeah, I, I also uh, noticed that he started an, another project um, after Psyche. It's, it's similar to Psyche, but it's not just for Ruby. It's a drop processing system for all uh, language and it's uh, written in gold. I think if one day I want to learn more about Go, I'm probably gonna read that source code as well. <laughs> right, that other language from Google. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, well, it's, it's been really fun to just kind of dive in and, and see where you're at and see what you've been working on and, and all of this stuff. Um, if people want to see what you're working on these days, where do they go? Yeah, best way to find me just uh, to visit my blog, suhui.io, S-I-H-U-I.io. I also have Twitter that I... Um, occasionally uh, tweak out the blog post I've been writing, which is uh, the Twitter handle is suhui underscore io. Yeah, this would be the best two ways to reach me. Nice. All right. Well, um, we're, let, let's go ahead and move over to picks. Uh, do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I would recommend a book. It's, called, it's actually somewhat relevant to our conversation. It's called Writing Down the Bones. Um, I think uh, I was checking out some engineering book leaks and this is was recommended by Slack's VP of engineering or something like that. Basically, it's not about engineering, but it's just about writing. Um, writing in as a way to uh, clear your mind, clear your own thoughts, but also as a way to uh, relieve um, the experience you have because as you write, you kind of we uh, describe the things and it's as another way to re-experience everything. Um, I enjoyed that book a lot. And if you ever think about um, 
like be more mindful or want to try out blogging, I think this is good. Uh, this book would be a good start. Nice. Um, I'll go ahead and throw in a pick as well. And mm-hmm. this one's a blogging pick as well. Oh. Um, and it's called 30 days to build a better blog. And it's by Darren Rouse. And he's been blogging about blogging for years. I think he has a podcast about blogging too at this point. But anyway, um, it's essentially, it walks you through, here's how you write like a list post. And here's how you write uh, this other kind of post. And anyway, um, you know, here's, here's how you get ideas for what to blog about and things like that. And it's, it, it mm-hmm. was really, really helpful many years ago when I was learning it. Um, he used to produce it as a PDF and um, now it's actually a video course, which I also find interesting because you get in, you watch the video, and then you go do whatever it tells you to do. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to just throw that one out there. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, if you're looking to get into blogging, um, when I first started blogging, I did it. And what was interesting was that my traffic went way, way, way up when I started doing it because um, I just committed to doing everything he said each day to mm-hmm. do it. And, uh, yeah, I, it, it wasn't just that I was blogging more often. It was also that, um, I was putting out posts that made it easier for people to get the information they wanted. So mm, nice. Yeah. I love this kind of book or programs that's like so instructive this day you do these things and then you move on to the next day. And then when you look back, you realize how far you have gone. I think I'm going to check it out too. Um, yeah, but that's all I've got. So as far as picks go. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for coming and talking to us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always fun to join uh, Dev2. All right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, wrap this one up and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.